Hi, Steve. Hey, Mitch. W- welcome back to Everything Meeple, uh, where two uh, everyday white people try and talk about board games uh, while while things have changed. The world is uh, different today, and we're we're a little late in this conversation. And this is what we've been we've been talking about it for weeks now, and. Uh, we've we we had trepidation as two white people with zero audience. We yeah. have we have been concerned about how our voices fit in this, and the truth is, uh, us delaying has done nobody any any type of service at all. So we we've decided we have to at least uh, approach this and and say uh, unequivocally that. Uh, we we stand on on the, the side that we're Black Lives Matter, and and there's no you know not saying anything is complacency, and it's an issue, and we have to get past that. And so much has been happening in the board game community uh, with this that has been fascinating and hope filled, and there's a ton of negative stuff, and there's a ton of positive mm. stuff, and it's it's yeah. been very divisive, the same as it's been anywhere else in the world for what's happening. Yeah. And, and the fact that we have, we've been having behind the scenes conversations saying, how do we approach this and feeling like uh, our voices are too small to make a difference. Doesn't, doesn't matter. And we've come to that conclusion where it doesn't, doesn't matter how we feel. It may not matter. It matters because not speaking is complacency and we have to, you know, speak up because if everybody speaks up, then the world can change. Yeah, ideally, absolutely. Uh, and you're you're I right. I kind of ripped uh, a bandaid off there. I'm sorry. No, thank you. I think it, it needs to be done. Uh, we have been, like you said, tiptoeing around how we're going to talk about this, and I think we could play that game for a long time and and never talk about it. And you're right; it's complacency. Uh, it's being complacent when there are some really important. Uh, voices talking and some really important work being done and i uh i feel like it's the it's the very least we could do is is just to is to be allies and, and have a conversation about what's happening in our in our board game world and in the world in general and it's 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 as interesting i think in the in the board game world where uh it, it's a well. It's not even a microcosm. It's it's the same as the rest of the world. So it's a hobby within uh, a world, and it's it's very uh, white oriented. It's very white male oriented. Uh, yeah. It feels more inclusive, and it feels uh, like it's a more of a community, and that more people. But and that's and that's how I've always seen it. Like I started Instagramming a few years back, and I was. I was amazed at how quickly uh, I was I was getting uh, sort of Instagram pals from all over the world and every right. every place imaginable, and and it made the world feel really small and and together. And I was like, oh my god, you know, like I didn't think this about Iran, and all of a sudden there's people in Iran who are just like me and are just interested in the same stuff. And so I I had this wonderful feeling about about the community, and now yeah. with uh, with the the police brutality, the death of uh, um, George Floyd, George Floyd, and others, and in, even in Canada with the the New Brunswick, 
Yeah, there was a tragic uh, police uh, (sighs) a few weeks ago with an indigenous woman being killed. So yeah, we're not we're not exempt or immune from it in in this country. We're not we're not talking about the U.S. and Only Levi here. as well. There was two in in like a week in in New Brunswick. Right. Yeah. And absolutely. Then, uh, another fella, I think, in Ontario, mm-hmm. uh, where you know people were just concerned. Can you go check on our friend? And they end up calling the police, and and he ends up getting he ends up getting murdered because he, they were worried he'd kill himself. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, Point being, it's happening in our happening. neck of the woods uh, and as well. It's affecting every aspect uh, of life. And so we get to see uh, how the board game community reacts and it has been polarizing yeah. uh, in, inside the board game community, which, you know, was to be expected. Yeah. But I, I, I hope for better. And what, what I like is that uh, a ton of the people that I respected have, have very quickly uh, thought things through and come out uh, in support of Black Lives Matter, and yeah. it seems like a lot of uh, a lot of the people that I respect, which now fills me with with some hope, uh, have really come out and ha- are trying to push for change, which is great. But yeah. but there's another side of it where it seems like people are idiots. Yeah, and I mean, of course, we all know the internet is a cesspool uh, for. Uh, the kind of argumenting uh, arguing that can happen when people can anonymously type whatever they want on on the end of a computer. So, you know, I agree with you. There is hope and it's really encouraging to see people that we admire stepping up to the challenge and, and speaking out and being allies and taking action. Um, But it's also easy to, to go, you could go down a pit of despair pretty easy if you wanted to follow a certain thread or, uh, or comment section. But, you know, I don't, uh, and we've kind of talked a little bit about this in some pre-conversations. You know, we're not obviously here to provide any answers or any, uh, I don't want to, I, I don't necessarily want to bring up any, you know, controversial issues and, 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 and try to try to discern who's right and who's wrong in a situation. I think the most important thing we can do as, as two white dudes in the hobby is, uh, is kind of point out who is doing who's doing the the good the good work right now particularly you know some people of color in the industry who are just like uh, standing up for advocacy and and putting out lots of education um resources uh, amplifying voices of people who have experienced the types of uh, um fear and anxiety being people of color uh, and listen to their experiences and, and share those around with uh, other people in the hobby who are interested to learn and listen, I, I think uh, is, is something that we could do probably. Um, so you, uh, you, you, uh, I know there was a, there was a wording there. Uh, and I, I want to make sure that, that we are, we are on the side of uh, humanity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Black lives matter. <laughs> Uh, and police brutality is is wrong, and we're that's and a re- the side we're approaching it from. And there's no there's no yeah. sort of middle ground on that. There's no 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 not, no that you're right. That is not what I meant. And police brutality is wrong, and it's a real thing and part of a systemic system uh, that that is is racist and and, and that we're cogs in, in of ourselves or within. And you know we just want to 
talk about what's going on. One of the, one of the big things uh, that it's done f- for me is uh, I am reading as much as I can and trying to trying to f- notice as much as I can and figure out what I can do uh, personally because it you know uh, we live in a very uh, sort of white heavy rural small town in Canada very sort of yeah protected and sure. I grew up in uh, Ottawa. I grew up uh, as an idiot. You know, I've, I've been a drunk. I've been a, a, when I was in high school, I've done dumb things. I've run from cops for, for doing dumb things. I, yeah. I used to do graffiti in Ottawa and run from cops and all this stuff. And uh, reading Eric Lang, who has been a superstar through all this, who is, yeah. uh, I think, from Toronto uh, and is, a you know, one of the top game designers in the world, is a person of color. And reading, he put up uh, a short, just three events that happened to him on his, uh, I don't know if it's his Twitter or Facebook account, but he's totally worth following. Uh, Definitely one of the best voices for me talking about stuff because he seems, I was saying this the other day, he seems like he kind of grew up like us, just Canadian nerd. uh, And so very relatable for me. And he told three stories of interactions he had in Minneapolis uh, with police. And they're very simple things of like walking down the street with no sidewalk and getting pulled over by the cops and questioned and ID'd. Uh, he showed up at uh, the fantasy flight head office and I could, I, I'm, forgive me if I get any of this wrong, but uh, he was supposed to be meeting somebody to give him a ride. He was uh, late. Uh, he says, right. cause, he, cause he gets distracted walking home he gets distracted so he sure. showed up late and no one was there and he was you know dressed in a hoodie and peeking through windows and and somebody called the cops on him and they pulled a gun on him and they were uh, threatening him basically and all of my idiot life i've never had to worry about that no matter right. no matter what idiot stuff i've done as a as a privileged white dude yeah i've never you know i could be drunk and dumb and it, and it never would have crossed my mind that that sort of thing would be a danger to me in, in my life in Canada as, as who I am. And it's, yeah, you know, my interactions uh, with police have sucked, but they've, they never come close to something like that. It's never an no. issue. No. And, and to be able to read those stories uh, puts a lot into perspective for me. And, and he is, you know, he's a, to me, he's like a superstar. So you know, oh, he's like a Hollywood celebrity to me uh, for being who he is. And, and, you know, he's designed some uh, blood rage and. Uh, oh my God. He, he's currently the director of game design at, at come on at the cool mini or not. Yeah. He's arguably one of the biggest newest game publishers that have kind of taken out, taken over like and the Kickstarter watch, world and the board game world. If you watch interviews with him, he's a lovable goofball. Yeah. You know, so reading, reading that stuff that he's shared uh, really puts things in perspectives for how safe and how easy uh, things have been. Yeah, and and you're abs- and I agree with you that that you know uh, you know I've heard interviews with Eric before and I've seen him talk, uh, and it was you know it's cool to know that he was from Canada and I'm like ah oh, he's a Canadian nerd and if I ever met him at a convention I bet we'd get along great like uh, and never uh, would I have and this is you know. 
it's indicative of my own bias and my own uh, privilege. Like you're just saying is that I, I wouldn't have considered that his experience would be different than mine, which sounds completely ludicrous to say out loud now in light of not only of recent events, but of decades and decades and hundreds of years of racism that has existed. It's ludicrous for me to say that, but I'm like, oh, he's Canadian. He's a nerd. We probably had a similar life and parts of it may have been similar, but never, like you said, have I experienced fear um, in, in my interactions with, with police. And I can't imagine fear, what that must feel like. like. Oh, don't call my parents or, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be able to pay that ticket or, you know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The, 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 never the difference, life or safety. The difference is appalling. And I grew up in, in rural Newfoundland where we, I had plenty of run-ins with police officers. And honestly, the fear is even less than what you just said. My fear was like, oh, man, are, are they going to pour out my beer? Like that, that was my fear. If they caught us beer, they didn't even, they didn't even take action. Sometimes they would pour out our beer and say, get out of here. You you crazy kids or whatever. I can't, I, I literally can't imagine living my life right now, raising kids, knowing that my kids as most every teenager are going to get into trouble and, and, and uh, delinquency in some form as teenagers do. I can't imagine fearing having this added layer of fear that if they have interactions with the police that their lives are in danger. It's just, um, yeah, it's the worst thing. It's the saddest and scariest thing I can't, can't imagine. But yeah, Eric Lang, um, thank you, by the way, Mitch, for because uh, I've been reading the news, but I've been reading like we always do uh, as human beings usually. I've been reading my same news threads, you know, like uh, – like most of us, I get up in the morning, I have my coffee, and I read probably the same four or five sites to get my news, to get my board game news, to get my comic news. Um, and we often don't stray from that path. So you've been mentioning some things to me that have been going on in the board game world that have just, I've missed. Uh, and one of those has been Eric's, Eric Lang's contributions to advocacy and everything that he's been posting on his social media feed and interviews he's been doing in the past few weeks. Um, and I just kind of, I spent a few hours with taking all that in uh, over the past 24 hours. And one of the, the things that Eric impresses on people, and it, it speaks to what I was just saying, is he's just saying, you know, you just got to go out of your own way and do the work. You just got to search, <laughs> search for, uh, he's like, if you're, if you're seriously, if you're anybody, if you're someone who goes to a board game convention and you're wondering if you're racist or that you're contributing to a problem in any way, or if you're a board game publisher or board game content creator, and you're wondering how you can create a safe space for diverse people, he's like, literally Google it, you know, uh, how to be, he, he said first, how to be not racist. He said, even better yet, how to be anti-racist. Cause it's not enough to just not say derogatory things or make bad jokes. You have to be actively seeking ways to, to make, make, make it yeah. a better place and a safer environment. And That's, I haven't, I haven't done that. So I, I've been encouraged by you and by him to, I need to look out new, new feeds, new, new areas of the internet for me to get my news so that I'm not missing these things. That's the change that, that needs to happen for, uh, us, for, for the complacent white, uh, privileged dudes yeah. is that no matter how well you've done, not being racist it's time to be anti-racist and start calling people out and making yourself learn more and and try harder and uh 
you know, I have, I have, I feel like I have very, very little power, which is a super ironic thing for a privileged white person to say, because I have, you know, that's the whole point of being white and privileged. My yeah. feeling of not having power is that we have a very small uh, hobby uh, space where we've been like, we like talking about board games. Let's, let's put a little thing out. So we have very few followers, very few listeners, very few, whatever, but, but that doesn't uh, diminish what we have as, as privilege. So no. uh, not speaking out, not saying anything, not learning, you know, that's just me going and, and learning more and trying to figure out what to do is needs to happen. And that's, that's a step towards uh, being anti-racist instead of just trying to not be racist, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I know what you're saying. Like I, I feel it's part of the reason why we've tiptoed around this too. I think is like, well, we're just two guys who are just in this corner of the, of the continent. You know, what, what can we contribute to this? And, 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 Again, we're not trying to provide any answers or anything, um, but I, we've been thinking about it, and I really just want to, and I've been doing this in my own family. I've been sending emails. As, as information comes across my computer, um, I, I've been sending it to my family and friends and, and saying, hey, you know what? Take, take a read of this. This is really helpful uh, if, you're, if you're currently trying to figure out the situation and how to interact with with the current events, this article is helpful. Um, and I'm going to continue to do that. But I think as content, as, as, as tiny as we are, as, as little content creators, I think I would like to put some effort into, and, and I'll use this word probably a lot, <laughs> this, this podcast um, or this episode is to amplify voices. So as I'm finding things uh, like reading, just following Eric Lang and watching some videos, uh, it's, it's too much for me to try to summarize or to paraphrase. I don't even want to because um, it, you need to go listen to him talk and listen to what he has to say. Um, before we got on, I just finished um, watching an interview between Tom Vassell and Eric Lang. Tom had him on to his, I forget what the name of the segment is like, I don't know if it's the breakfast talk one, but it was an hour long conversation. Um, and Tom doesn't say a whole lot and, and rightfully so Tom just kind of sits back and lets Eric do most of the talking, direct some questions his way. And Eric is a wealth, a wealth of knowledge. And honestly, I, I couldn't even write it down fast enough as I was trying to take some notes. And I just thought, no, I, we're just going to post a link to this and say, this is like required viewing that he's full of so many intelligent educational things to say and not just around uh how to be anti-racist in general in your life but a lot of it uh, applies to the board game hobby how to how to interact around a game table how to interact at a convention how to actively headhunt and seek out hires as a publishing company or a content creator company he's yeah like you say he's a superstar right now and uh nothing I can say is going to make sense. Go, go watch what he has to say and, and, and figure it out. It's a, uh, it's great. It's amazing. So, and, and to, to keep going with that for just one second, as I think for, for us uh, as everyday meeple and our, and our little website and our podcast, uh, it would be great if we had a space where we could share these voices and, and, and direct people to it. Um, you know, friends and hobbies. And like you said, the Instagram community is so nice. And so, uh, I couldn't believe it. Like you said, like you're the one who said you should get on Instagram and check it out. And I have, and I can't believe how many friends I have around the world. Like I feel confident that if I were a traveling sort of person and I was going to go backpack Europe, uh, 
I could arrange to stop in and play games with dozens of people if I wanted to. And that is really encouraging, but I think it would be helpful to be able to say to friends on Instagram or in my own life, say, hey, you should go check out these, these articles uh, just based on our conversation or based on our argument or, or something that might've come up. And uh, I'm going to, I want to kind of pledge to put the, the work in to find those voices for people to hear and including me, I need to hear it. But. That's great because we're a very lazy people. Mm-hmm. We, you and I are <laughs> very lazy and we do not post <laughs> barely anything. Uh, we, go, we go through tiny spurts of, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's try and do this. Uh, you know, I, I even pared our stuff down to like, all we have to do is pick five things and we'll yeah. just do these five, lists of five things. And it doesn't matter what you do. It could be whatever you want. And, and we're terrible at that. And here's a challenge then. Find five uh, black game designers. Yeah. You know, do, it's, it's Eric Lang uh, is brilliant and uh, such a star voice right now, but yeah. he's like our Bubba Wallace, uh, yeah. where he's he's has so much on his shoulders because the diversity lacks from the yeah. industry. There, thousands of games are getting pushed out through publishers and Kickstarter a year, and so few of that is uh, people of color. And I was reading a thing uh, in Medium medium.org medium.com online magazine uh and i hope i don't say this uh name wrong omar yeah yeah i have it right here as well yeah omari akil uh who started uh put board game brothers board game brothers and in his article he says his goal is to is to get uh representation to 12 percent in the industry and that's tiny you know, is. like it's, it's not at 12%. Uh, and they did, uh, they recently did a thing, I think with rap gods where they were, it was just recently mm-hmm. kickstarted, but, uh, I think it was them or was it nib cardboard? Ah, one of them, one of them was, was doing a push where they were donating to yeah. black Lives matters, uh, for every copy of this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. For every copy of Rap God sold, which I think they've sold at the print run or something crazy like that and have raised an insane amount of money. Um, which, by the way, I don't know if you've looked at Rap Gods, but it looks amazing. I, uh, I'm very intrigued. Uh, the board itself looks like a big uh, 12-inch LP yeah. uh, record. Um, it's a really cool design with like kind of 90s uh, graffiti, hip-hop style. Um, it, it, it looks like a pretty cool game. And as someone who <laughs> I listened to a lot of hip hop growing up, um, uh, I'm I'm interested. I can't I can't wait to play it. But and I laugh at myself because I'm again from a very small, un, very white community. But I was pretty big into rap at some point, uh, and probably embarrassingly so for how much I I borrowed from black culture in my small white town. Um, but that's a that's a thing. Yeah, it's going to leave a silence there for you. Uh, I <laughs> I don't I got I was distracted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is, is the problem? I'm not. I'm not. I'm, there's nothing. I was looking at the Rap Gods uh, Kickstarter, and my brain just uh, yeah. But I, I want to go back to something you said a second ago, where um, 
this designer Omar is trying to get the Omari. So Omari, sorry. Yeah. Omari is trying to get the uh the uh, what's the word I'm looking for like the inclusion or the, the diverse people Diversity? in the industry to 12 percent um eric lang in in his interview with tom brought up a really interesting point he, he was really good in in answering tom's questions to which is a really great skill to have as a debater or as as a conversationalist during these tough conversations uh he will often provide the counter argument as well so he was really good at saying i'm going to pull out the bingo card thing right away and so when Omari's talking about bringing diversity to 12%, uh, Eric Lang would say like, well, the bingo card argument is how can you, uh, this is going to be a, um, oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, the higher, the, um, oh yeah. Uh, like the token higher. Yeah. There, there's, there's a, God, there's a word, it's, a you know, it's, word. An, it's an eighties, the eighties thing, the diversity oh, yeah. anyways uh everyone knows what i'm talking about and i can't i don't have the words right in front of me diversity higher but it's the yeah equal op- equal opportunity higher there you go. yes sorry um so he was speaking to that and was saying well let's just step back for a second and he started breaking down percentages in computer games and in mobile games and it it's it's it skews towards more females than males and he was trying to say well let's kind of just be generous and say that it's similar in the board game industry. Let's just say it's, it's close to 50, 50 for argument's sake. If that's the case, that just as many men and women are playing games. um, Let's just have that. And then he was saying, now let's just say as a, as kind of an objective fact that I don't think anyone would argue against race, the color of your skin, whatever doesn't determine how intelligent you are. So there are creative intelligent people all capable of designing games and being part of this industry then that argument supposes there should be a pretty equal percentage of of people of all backgrounds uh in the industry and that just isn't the case and you know we got to look at why that is and of course you know like for anyone who's been reading into it it, it's all about the systemic racism that exists in the world and and specifically we're talking about North America and, and the U S and Canada. Um, he's like, let's just look at that. And those numbers have to improve. So, you know, equal opportunity hires were created for a reason and someone trying to get the diversity to 12% or Eric Lang telling Tom Vassell and others who are questioning, because a lot of people in that um, listening to Tom and Eric chat were game designers and publishers apparently. And they were the ones asking Eric question and they were just being open and saying like, Eric, how do I, how do I go about making sure I have create a safe work environment? How do I go about finding um, qualified people of color to hire for my team? And he was just saying, yeah, like, here's how you do it. There's lots of sites. There's lots of resources. Um, anyways, it's a long rambling way. Again, again, what I should be saying is go watch that video because it's yeah. full of, of really good information like that. That makes a lot of sense and provides the counter argument as well. Um, uh. So yeah. to to illustrate that in a board game uh relevant sense uh Tony Mastrangeli I don't know how to say names I'm terrible mm-hmm. terrible at names uh from the website uh, board game quest they okay. they wrote uh well he wrote uh their piece to to this and in that he wrote a, a really really great um representation where he talks about uh, area control games and how 
area control games uh, sort of function as a mechanic and how in board gaming we tend to feel that if there's a runaway leader there needs to be hmm. catch-up mechanisms and that relates directly uh, to, to the world sort of thing where uh, mm. hundreds of years uh, people of color have been set back and there's no catch-up mechanism and that's sort of what diversity hires were meant to be was was some sort of catch-up mechanism like the you know right. we're we're the runaway leaders right now and and we're not doing enough and if we don't think it's fair in a board game why is it fair in life basically you know, yeah. if it's if it's not fair when you're playing a game and a mechanic in the game uh, skews and yeah. and people, you know, somebody gets way off in the front and there's no way for you to catch up. And so you, you no longer have fun playing that game. Right. Why, why is that OK in life where, you know, uh, I'm obviously not yeah. doing the piece that's justice. A, no, that's but, a great that's a great point. Um, and again, something we that I will hopefully share because I'd like to read that. I, I was sharing you uh, the, a similar kind of piece because, again, we're talking to board games and we're, a lot of our friends are gamers. And if you, it's good to have analogies like that, I think, to, 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 to make a point. Sometimes, you know, we, we talked about this. Part of the reason why maybe we took a little bit too long to have this conversation was I often feel like when I'm having conversations with, this, with people – and I'm trying to make a solid point that I don't have the words and I don't ever feel prepared to have the conversation. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's great to have those points, especially if they're points uh, made by people of color, like uh, again, voices that need to be heard. It's good to have those in your back pocket to, to, to say to people, it's hard to argue against that catch up mechanism, especially if you're a gamer. A lot of people throw those, that board game out if it was uh, skewed in, in one in for one player, you know? I was sharing with you a similar kind of analogy, um, a, a video that went viral a couple of weeks ago now by um, Kimberly Latrice Jones. Um, she is a screenwriter, filmmaker, and she was filming kind of anti-racism and anti-police brutality pieces during the protests as they first were happening after um, the, the murder of George Floyd. And she starts off really calm and cool. And again, I don't want to read much of her piece at all because you need to see her read it. Uh, she is super intelligently spoken, eloquent and extremely emotional at times and rightfully so based on what she's talking about, but in a, in a, in a nutshell, and again, it shouldn't be a nutshell because you need to see, hear the whole thing. Uh, but she relates it to monopoly and basically says that, you know, Imagine deciding to play Monopoly with someone and for 400 rounds, you don't allow the other player to have any money, to buy any property, to have anything on the board and you play 400 rounds together and then uh, you play another 50 rounds where everything that you gain, you have to give to the other player. And of course, she's relating it to a time uh, of, of slavery, of bringing um, people from Africa for the for the purpose of agriculture and industry and, and the economy in America where they're not that, that group of people were not granted anything. And then after some time, well, okay, you can have this plot of land, but everything you, you make, you give to me. Uh, and she, she goes further. But again, even that simple argument of imagine playing a game, 400 rounds of monopoly where you weren't allowed to do anything. Well, that's similar. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about hundreds of years of 
having nothing. Um, anyways, again, we'll post some links to her video because it is uh, is a moving it's a moving moving piece. But I realized uh, uh, a little while ago I, I equated uh, Eric Lang to our Bubba Wallace, but then just assumed that everybody would know who Bubba Wallace is. And I nodded like I knew, but I don't know. That's, that's not fair. Uh, Bubba Wallace is is the only current uh, black race car driver in NASCAR. Oh, right. Yes. And, and very this. recently uh, brought to, to NASCAR and, and said, you know, why do we have these Confederate flags? We, this is crazy. Uh, you know, they're, they're a racist symbol. And NASCAR backed him up and, and banned the Confederate flag at all events. And that caused the, the ridiculous and obvious backlash uh, because it's a Southern institution and because yeah. uh, the South has convinced themselves that it's a historical uh, flag and not a racist symbol. Uh, there's this backlash that's been going on. So, yeah. I, you know, I just to assume that everybody uh, is following everything. And, you know, I don't I don't I don't even like NASCAR because it's a lot of left turns i love racing but there's too many left turns in nascar for me to really enjoy it and yeah. but it's it's ridiculous that i would just say hey, eric lang's like our bubba wallace and then not explain who bubba wallace was because right yeah because bubba there are nascar board games and there are some really fun racing board games but <laughs> uh and but bubba wallace probably isn't featured in them there's probably there's right. another diversity problem um so, yeah and again like you mentioned and it's it's sad that it, it's a challenge. But you said, you know, for our site, maybe like go find five um, uh, board game designers who are people of color. And it's hard to think about that. And again, just like uh, I was saying a minute ago where Eric was saying, just go do the work. Just go out and seek it out, right? It's not it's not popping up in your feed because because of these 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 systemic examples of racism that exist that, you know, we just don't, see i don't see black content very much in my feed because it's it's not there it's the and 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 i have to go looking for it and even just in this past 24 hours i was able to easily go find a couple uh of designers but probably not easily and most of them from eric lang the one we omari uh who we already mentioned who created rap gods is one uh and i think eric said he might have even worked with him or mentored him on that game or something i might that might not be necessarily true, but he did mention working with him. He could have just been talking about meeting him. But Eric also posted, um, he posted an article by a prolific designer that I didn't, haven't heard about before, but I've heard of his work. He posted an article called Cops and Races by a guy named Mike Pondsmith about Mike's experience with, uh, his own experiences with police officers as a person of color. So I went looking for who Mike Pondsmith was and he's a really popular, prolific tabletop role-playing designer uh, responsible for the cyberpunk universe, which was really cool. And he was a really uh, interesting person to read about. Yeah, yeah so he's, he's done a couple of smaller board games, but his big thing is, is, is tabletop role-playing through our Talsorian Games. That's the, the company, the publisher. Um, but the big one being cyberpunk. And in reading, I didn't realize that, and maybe you knew this, but Fantasy Flight bought the IP of Cyberpunk for Netrunner, oh, which yeah? is a pretty huge game. So a lot of the characters' locations um, 
world building in that game is from the cyberpunk universe. And of course there is a huge I cyberpunk. Thought, I thought Netrunner was owned by, uh, what's that other company? The... Oh, Wizards of the Coast. No, no. Because oh. I, I thought Fantasy Flight lost the license for Netrunner. Oh, well, I'm reading it right now. In 1996, Wizards of the Coast licensed Cyberpunk for their collectible card game Netrunner. I think it's changed hands since then, maybe. But originally it was Wizards of the Coast um, and, and Netrunner. But on top of uh, Net, that, that's a big thing because Netrunner is a huge game is in the mm-hmm. industry. Um, or maybe they just a huge video game them. coming out, Cyberpunk. Uh, I, want, I want to say 2020, but I think the year is, is further into the future. But there's a huge video game coming out. I think Keanu Reeves is starring in this video game, supposed to come out this year. Anyways, it's on a lot of people's most anticipated list. But then in reading a little bit more about Mike Pondsmith, he released a game called Castle Falkenstein, also a role-playing game. But this is, has me really intrigued. Um, it won... Uh, and Nigel D. Finley Memorial Award for Best Role-Playing Product Recognitions. And the reason being is that it has the really cool skill system, uh, skill check system, where you use a deck of cards. Uh, it's a steampunk Victorian game. Uh, I know I'm going on about games, but I just want to highlight this guy because this seems to be pretty innovative to me. But skill resolution in this tabletop game is done using a deck of playing cards rather than dice. You have four cards. Uh, when you want to test the skill... Uh, and in a nutshell, without reading all the descriptions, you basically flip a card. If you're a wizard in that game, you have two decks of cards, and you have to flip a card. It might take you a couple rounds to to get a spell off based on the numbers that you're flipping. Um, but again, you know, I'm always up for. Uh, I love chuck and dice, but I'm always love a card system with a little more predictability than a dice system. And I'm interested to look into that uh, again, having not heard of Castle Falkenstein before. But yeah, Mike Pondsmith his article about cops and races. And uh, he seems to have come from a bit of a military background. His father was in the air force. I'm, I'm kind of, kind of assuming here that, you know, maybe a bit of a military family where he's had some experience with military and police. So he, he has a lot of friends who are police officers and things like that, but that doesn't dissuade him from the fact that police brutality is a real thing. And he, uh, he quotes that really famous poem uh, in his article, uh, basically, uh, I don't Phoenix know if you've heard him. that one. Not Phoenix. First they came. Uh, yeah, yeah. You no, know, first they came for the communists, and I didn't speak up. Who's going to be there for you if, yeah, if exactly. you don't speak up for other people? Then they came for the trade unionists. unionists. I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. I did not speak out. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Yeah. And I, this is the the importance of knowing history and why it terrifies me when someone in a position of power, like a world leader, I don't need to name names to, to know who we're talking about here. It, it, Uh-oh. it blows my mind to think that someone doesn't have some excessive amount of knowledge of, of world history or American history or North American history or colonization or slavery, whatever the case may be. If you don't know that stuff, you don't know the country that you're representing. And I think we get tied up thinking, well, that's never going to happen. You know, this, that, that poem first, they came for me. You're like, well, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about police brutality against people of color. Um, We're not talking about Nazi Germany here, but 
I think as human beings, we like to convince ourselves that things like that aren't going to happen again. And it's just such a fine line between it, it doesn't take much for a, a, a group of people in a position of power to really go after another group. And, and that's terrifying. And, and, and we shouldn't have to always go down that dark hole and think about that. We don't have to go to the future and predict that. We just have to read history and know that it happened. And because it happened, it can happen again. And hopefully we learn from things and it doesn't happen again. The terrifying thing is when that doesn't happen. And, and people who don't know history run the risk of, of repeating it, you know, that whole cliche. Anyways, Mike Pondsmith brings that up again, another prolific designer that I wasn't aware of that uh, that's fascinating and interesting and we'll link to. But easy to go on a bit of a rant here. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Uh, let's uh, continue uh, heaping praise on Eric Lang. I have said it before and I just want to express what sort of superhero uh the fella is this guy he eric m lang he has an m in there uh won the diana jones award yeah and that's that's a weird and wonderful award to win and he won that in 2016 uh and at that point he had uh bloodborne uh the others uh dice masters with mike elliott right Blood Rage. Which is also Quarriers, uh, right. so kind of the same system, right? He'd worked on uh, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Warhammer, uh, you know. Yeah. And and winning that the Diana Jones Award isn't just that those games are good. It's that he has made himself such a contribution. You know, yeah. other other winners of the Diana Jones Awards has been Gen Con, uh, yeah. live, live play role-playing, uh, certain role play systems you know concepts win people win games might win but it's it's something that i like i think dominion won uh right once because it yeah it had such an impact on on games and that's that's the relevance of eric m lang and you know he continues to have that same impact uh in every aspect of of the gaming world so the world is lucky to have him I'm so glad he's part of uh, such a, a phenom like uh, Cool Mini or Not because yeah. they're they are quickly becoming, if not already, one of the biggest board game publishers. You know, their their Kickstarters make millions of dollars a couple of times a year, <laughs> seems like, when they come out with games. And it's just kind of encouraging and comfortable to know that their game director, you know, an executive position is someone who is socially conscious and aware and is is putting the work in and that that's going to keep that company hopefully uh in a good place um and he i think he was speaking to that too how a lot of their executive staff are women and they're a very diverse kind of kind of group and he admits again that like most organizations there's problems but um there's a lot of good happening there too and he's part of that i think and there's there's lots of good voices uh out there right now but i have a retention problem and eric lamb lang sticks in my head so so much and is yeah. so prominent that you know I, I feel bad for highlighting just him right now but it you know it's a, yeah. it, it was sort of a small seed for a conversation that that i kept i kept sort of leaning heavily on him but well 
he's know. doing he's doing a really good job of what what we're talking about you know he's 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 amplifying voices and he's sharing relevant material and because he he has a bit of a platform as the position he's in as a designer and, and works with that company it's it's easy to find what he's talking about right now and i, I think it's it's great to to put the highlight on him and like I said, and like he said, uh, you know, we need we need to put the work in and find some others who are maybe working their way uh, to try to get to where he is, or you know, maybe content creators, um, smaller uh, designers, independent publishers. Uh, just got to put the work in and, and and find them, you know. Jamie Stagmeyer uh, of Stonemeyer Games, who is also uh, very open and very yeah. it's uh, transparent kind of company. Transparent. Uh, every every sort of decision, well, not every decision, but yeah. a lot of the broad decisions that he makes for Stonemaier Games, he is very transparent about. He he has newsletters constantly. He has videos, <clears throat> and is always including and very, uh, very much active in the community in the chats. and <clears throat> And he he took a lot of time to think about this, and uh, and talk to people. And I think he had made a post and then people responded to that post and he put more thought into it, but right. he ended up uh, coming out and, and, and sort of giving a checklist of, of what Stonemeyer games is going to start working towards. Right. And he was, he did it in a fashion that would make them accountable and, and in a way that he wants people to keep him accountable uh, to try and push for changes. And, and some of the great things that Stonemeyer games is going to try and do is to, is to help fund content creators, uh, people of color, uh, by, by donating money and, and for cameras and, and time and, and amplify their voices. <clears throat> and he's going to be, uh, I think they said donating like a, I, don't, I can't remember the numbers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Games every year to uh, like inner city youth programs and, and just to try and bring more people of color into the hobby, into the game uh, world in a, in a way that feels uh, safer and more welcoming and and puts it out there so maybe we will get more uh game designers and more people who aren't you know intimidated by a very white heavy dude yeah. heavy uh hobby yeah hopefully and so also applause to, to him good good work and to to further that point that hopefully we'll get more people on board with this you have mentioned to me about some revision that was happening within the board games industry and uh magic the gathering right yeah so magic the gathering uh which is owned by wizards of the coast which is owned by hasbro uh have said that they're going to go through now uh and start culling uh cards that are racist from from the whole span of magic the gathering uh cards are going to be banned from tournament play cards are going to be removed or or rebuilt uh, and same same company is going to do something similar with Dungeons and Dragons right. with 5e right, right. they're going to go they've they've said they're going to go back <clears throat> and try and fix a lot of the racial stereotypes that have existed in in creatures and characters uh throughout the history of Dungeons and Dragons and try and build instead of having sort of racial stereotypes they're going to try and and build those cases out as as actual humanity <laughs> You know, I don't know yeah, how to yeah. say the word, but to build them uh, realistically as, yeah. as uh, not as 
an evil stereotype, but as something yeah, not that has not as caricatures. And yeah, a, a reality. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the right words. On which again, I I think is a great step forward, and again. I know we spoke, we said this right off the top that we think there's hope and there's examples like that, that provide hope. And then there's some despair in knowing that reaction that people are going to have to this. Right. And I really, I just really hope that one of the most important things that that can be done by anyone, particularly people with, with privilege and, and, and white people like us is to try to temper those knee jerk reactions and just kind of listen and maybe read a little more into it. And uh, the same way with anything like the, the Confederate flag or, or statues or, or renaming buildings. Um, you know, I, yeah, we just need to think about why we're reacting that way and just listen to what people have to say. And again, Eric Lang's interview with Tom Vassell, he speaks a lot to something that is a whole other topic that we could go on for a long time. We don't need to really get into it, but he speaks about gatekeeping, right? And gatekeepers in, in the hobbies, particularly in, in this case, the board game hobby, people who kind of like stand up and like to say, well, you're not a real gamer if you play Monopoly yeah, yeah. and you're not a real gamer unless you play, you know, heavy, heavy war games or something like that. And, you know, I think those people are everywhere and, and people are going to try to, to gatekeep around. Well, you're not a real gamer if you're going to go around and culling old cards that have, you know, X value and are important card to keep within the game system we don't you just want to stop for a second and just listen and, and, and hopefully understand why a company or a person or an individual might embrace a decision like that and not just stand hard on your, in your trench and try to stop it from happening or resist it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. For that, for that, like the, the sort of European style <clears throat> where board games are part of everyday culture where <clears throat> whenever you go to spiel the jar it's not gamers yeah you know it's families it's people it's right. the it's everybody and and so it doesn't matter if you like monopoly or you like whatever because it's just the culture it's people play games and people learn from games and games are are valuable and to to have sort of the north american uh, elitist model of uh I don't know. Yeah. It, which I hope is a dying part of it. Right. You know, I think that's something that is sort of left over from the eighties maybe, and is slowly, slowly, not fast enough sort of dying out where people, because it has, the hobby has become so yeah. large that it doesn't matter if you're playing uh, exploding kittens or, right. uh, or a heavyweight. Yeah. Games. I, <laughs> and I really hope that's the case, you know, and I think about, um, things like con- if you think about conventions and not that we've been to, to many the only convention that's not a board game convention is the east coast comic convention that's put off in Moncton that's the only thing I've ever been to and it's small and went to uh, the tiny one in oh, we St. went to a, a similarly tiny one in St. John right um, I forget um, the name March of it. to Oblivion March to Oblivion um, there's something to be said about these kind of community created small almost like grassroots conventions that start trying to be something and almost without trying because it's such a small community it's very inclusive right it feels inclusive when you go to the east coast common convention there's there's just a 
seemingly a pretty good representation of people at, at, at a convention. You can imagine that the bigger those conventions get when you talk about Gen Con and Origins or Comic Con, and then all of a sudden you're talking like hundreds of thousands of people and that's, that's where you're going to get those kind of gatekeepers and those hardcore fans who part part of their identity is tied to their their allegiance to a, a, a book or a game or a culture, a pop culture. Um, but I, I was part of a music festival for a little while uh, on, on a board at a music festival. And again, it's seemingly a new thing. And I imagine it must be happening at the board game convention level. And again, we'll only take a little work to figure it out. Um, and we can, we can do that work is board game conventions need a list, need like a mandate and a creed and a, a, an identifiable list of things that they're doing to make sure that it's an inclusive environment. And that would be calling out that, that kind of gatekeeping and that kind of prejudice, that kind of hate towards cosplayers, towards the LGBTQ community, whatever the case might be at these bigger conventions. Um, and I hope that those moves are being made by conventions now in light of all of the protests and, and an action that's taking place that, that people are stepping back and reevaluating how do we make this space better in light of these events? And um, that's important. Uh, and, and I hope it's happening. <sighs> I think conventions are always, always working better and better towards that. Like, uh, yeah, they, they've always, they, well, maybe not all of them, but I, I see it because, because I read up on them all the time. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're, so rules for behavior are always, uh, leaning more and more towards safety and inclusiveness. So. Right. Yeah. And that's awesome. And there's still problems. Like I watch the live feeds and, and there are still uh, pockets of yeah ridiculous. I don't know. That's, and, that's you know, humans are imperfect. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to fumble our way through this. But, um, you know, I hope you and I can continue these types of conversations. Uh, on and off mic uh but again for me i just want to i want to share these voices with people and 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 get my friends and family to listen as well and and me continue to do the work uh of 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 listening more and 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 sharing sharing those voices and spreading that was that was very heavy but uh we profess to talk about everything meeple and that is uh, you know that's what's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, and and to not talk about it would be complacency. So sorry uh, about <laughs> having to have a dark conversation. But it's an important conversation. It's so. an important conversation. Yeah. Uh, and you know it was either that or or Steve and I talk about uh, the four games uh, that we played this week. That, that we played this week. <laughs> and. And my one of mine, I was just going to complain about it not being very good. So this was probably uh, better all around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. If you have uh, thoughts that you want to share with us, uh, please send an email to feedback at everydaymeeple.com. Uh, that's, that's it for this week. Yeah. Good to see you, Mitch. Good to chat. We will talk right. soon. See you later, Steve. Bye. Bye. Bye.